0: You awoke us. We have only recently become aware of your existence. You would have returned us to our
1: former world. We believed you were a threat to us. feared you, and your fear would have destroyed us.
2: to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight.
0: And I'm Stuart Hollis.
2: And this week, we're talking about Message in a Bottle.
0: Yes, we are. It's Season 2, Episode 7 of Stargate SG-1.
2: Yes, it is. What does TV Guide have to say about this one, Stuart?
0: I'll tell you what TV Guide has to say about it, Thad. The team returns from a barren planet with an artifact that soon takes control of O'Neill and the command crew.
2: It doesn't soon take control of O'Neill. Yeah, like a couple of days go by. Yeah, and then it kills him. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we have a death, but not a, J- but not a Jackson death.
0: No, 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 this is this is number two on the O'Neill death count. How many is Daniel at now?
2: I think we only have two definitive deaths for Daniel.
0: Well, no, you you keep disagreeing on, with me on what constitutes a death. By my count, he's at four. By yours, he's at, like, three and a third or something.
2: Okay, so Daniel is probably still going to stay ahead of Jack until season six. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> As in Bocce <botchy? laughs> The Stargate wiki says SG-1 explores the rather barren and moonlight p P5C-353 and brings back a mysterious orb to study. After realizing it is a threat... O'Neill attempts to throw it through the Stargate and return it to P5C-353. However, it takes control of him to prevent this, then injects Stargate Command with a virus. Okay, so they're both... Uh, okay.
0: Not great. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't like... I mean, I guess if you count piercing the concrete walls as injecting Stargate Command with a virus?
2: I read that wrong. It's infects.
0: Ah, okay. That That makes more sense. So what did you think about this episode? all right yeah it doesn't do anything for us like long-term story-wise which i mean is probably to be expected i I don't i don't think stargate is really gonna do too many like overarching season long plots until later in the like in its run i think first two or three seasons it's still kind of oscillating between quote-unquote monster of the week and um dealing with like the larger ghoul threat
2: yeah. I mean, there's things that happened in Season 2 that definitely come up later. Yes. Like, um, we'll have an episode in a bit with a black hole, and that will be important later.
0: I like that episode.
2: Yeah. And obviously we have the two-parter with uh, Jacob Carter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We have some things to look forward to. Yes. But for now, let's talk about this episode. Yeah, and in this case, uh, I mean, we really could turn it off very soon, because... Daniel says the name of the episode two and a half minutes in.
0: Like a message in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, and that w- and uh, yeah, that's it for me. I I had like three notes. I got that's how far I got, and then just had to close my notebook and call it a night.
2: That was literally my first note.
0: <laughs> well, my first note was Stargate in space. Hmm.
2: So my thing, why did so they these alien whatever you want to call them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we're on a planet with a stargate, obviously. Why didn't they go through the stargate before their planet got destroyed?
0: Maybe most of them did. Mm. And left behind this thing as a simultaneous uh, message in a bottle and booby trap.
2: Booby? Booby. Booby. It's possible. That's a good point. Also, I realized that it was necessary to mention the Primordial World for further plot development. But why would SG1 be going to a primordial world in the first place? I was wondering that too. I, I uh,
0: since I don't know enough about planetary geological development. Most of the on a primordial world, we're mostly talking about the continents are largely formed, maybe still a little bit in flux, but largely formed. And at this point it's just that we're dealing with Like, unicellular life. Yeah. Okay. So, it could be a rich, rich place that you can uh, exploit all of the resources and not feel even a little bit bad about it. Because all you're doing is pissing off bacteria.
2: Okay, so we circle back to why is SG-1 doing this?
0: And not SG-13, the crack excavation and mining team?
2: I mean, to be fair, SG-13 is probably one of the 27 medical teams, but yes.
0: Okay, well then they, well then I'm sure they're well-stocked on, like, alcohol swabs and antibiotics they can use to just, like, scrub that planet clean. That's a good point,
2: yeah. So, yeah, it just seems like an odd mission for SG-1. I realize that they are an off-world team, and you can't have it both ways, Daniel. But why... Yeah, this doesn't seem like an SG-1 sort of mission.
0: No, no, especially if, like, you know, they'd be going to it and fully... 100% One hundred percent of their team would just be a pair of legs and a pair of eyes, yeah, with no need for any of their special abilities at all, exactly.
2: I mean, Daniel drives a good point. There would be no need for an archaeologist on a primordial world, right. just seems odd.
0: what'd you think of Jack's Neanderthal joke? I liked it. do you think it was simply like do you think it was referencing back to broke a divide or uh just like a larger? sort of jack being wry
2: see that's hard to say because that's the sort of thing jack would say even if it wasn't referencing broken divide but it also because of broken divide i feel like he must have also been referencing that
0: yeah i think that if they had wanted to make it more clear that he was referencing that he would have said like oh that t- like what was it what did he say oh, those were the times right
2: I think it might have been That Takes Me Back, actually.
0: Oh, no, in that case, then, he was definitely referencing the Broker Divide. Because if he's making it self-referential, I mean. Yeah. How many spacesuits do you think the SGC has beyond the four that we see? Why do they have spacesuits?
2: Well, I mean, because sometimes they'll come to the planets where they need them. Hmm. This is not the only episode where they wear spacesuits.
0: No, no, I was going to make that comment as well. In fact, on another episode, it 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 uh, mightn't just be the moon; it is the moon. Hmm. No, no, they never go to the moon. Never mind. Scratch that. Reverse it.
2: Yeah, I don't recall them ever going to the moon.
0: No, nah, it's an asteroid. Although
2: I'm pretty sure the opening scene is actually the moon.
0: Like stock footage. Yeah. Or do you think they actually sent?
2: No, I think it's them walking on a green screen, and it's the moon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it... Yeah, it's obviously not them on the moon. Okay, okay. Yes, he does say, ah, oh, that takes me back.
0: Well, that settles it. It's definitely a reference to "Broken Divide.
2: But it also is the sort of thing that Jack would just say being Jack. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so when they bring, the, bring it back to the SGC, and Daniel and Sam are working on it over... Uh, late into the night, because they have to check out that primordial world the next day. Yeah. And they don't know that they worked the whole way through the night? It, not just
0: that, but also the like the, the lieutenant in the little observation yeah, he room was or there whatever, too. he worked all night too. Um,
2: well, he couldn't let Sam see him be tired.
0: Right. I did uh <laughs> Like the bit from a few minutes earlier Where it's, oh, seems like somebody's got a little crush
2: (laughs) The microphone's on Yeah And then Dan's just like, oops (laughs) (laughs) He
0: he doesn't seem very uh, No Penitent He does not You can tell because he's not kneeling
2: (laughs) Ha ha But yeah, I have had my fair share of nights Where I have not gone to sleep And I've definitely You know, if I'm working on something And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just gonna keep doing this through the night but I'm always aware that I'm doing this. Thing.
0: Yeah, because at the very least, you're aware of when you hit that moment where it's like, no, like you 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 have to make the conscious decision of I will I'm going to continue powering through this, and then you can kind of just like coast on pure brain chemicals. Yeah. Um, for the next few hours.
2: And for me, that moment's around 4 a.m. Because anything before that, I can still get some sleep. <laughs> but then I don't wake up early, so.
0: Oh, so I want to hit you with some knowledge about spacesuits. Okay. Because we're not gonna have another opportunity to talk about spacesuits on Stargate for 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 quite some time.
2: Probably not for a couple seasons, I don't think.
0: So, as I'm sure you're aware, when NASA was doing the Apollo program and they and the programs before it, although they did a lot of the work on it, like the actual building of the rockets and the engine designs, etc., were shopped out to various contractors. For example, Grumman Aerospace uh, made the uh, command module Mm -hmm. for the Apollo mission. Um,
2: Well, did they actually do any spacewalks for Mercury and Gemini?
0: Yeah, I think on Gemini, I think maybe on Gemini, they did, like, one of them opened the door and, like, was tethered and floated out. Okay. But did you know who the contractor was for the spacesuits? I do not. Playtex. Okay. Yes. Each spacesuit was hand-sewn by Playtex employees and was composed of 17 layers. That's impressive. Yes. There's a book that I keep meaning to um, get for myself, uh, which is all about the development of the Apollo spacesuit.
2: That sounds super interesting, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually 18 chapters, because they have one chapter that's just sort of, like, broad strokes, and then the next 17 chapters are each about a layer of the spacesuit.
2: Nice. Yeah. It works out, because there were 17 Apollo missions, weren't there? No. I thought there were. No. The last Apollo mission was actually
0: Apollo 17, but there were not 17 Apollo missions.
2: That's right. There wasn't an Apollo 2 or 3, right? Uh... Two, three... I think that Apollo... Seven? Well, seven's the one that went to the moon. No, that was eleven. Yes. Eleven
0: went to the moon. Seven. Eleven landed on the moon. I think seven was the first one that actually attempted it. Okay. That, like, was a full-blown launch, fully manned, etc., Up until that point, they had various missions that were were just going to be testing the command module, but it's not Mm -hmm. actually going to launch, such as, for example, Apollo 1, which never actually was named Apollo 1. It was back-named that as a sort of memorial to the astronauts who lost their lives. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what its official uh, title was.
2: So there was no—but there were no Apollos 2 through 6?
0: Not really.
2: Yeah, I think we've had this conversation before, actually. Now that I'm. It sounds vaguely familiar anyway. But anyway, so no, there were not 17 Apollo missions, so the 17 layers doesn't quite work out. But the last Apollo mission was 17. I did get that right. Yes. Okay. That's why I thought there were 17 Apollo missions. You can understand that mistake. So does that mean that Apollo 13 wasn't really unlucky, since it wasn't actually the 13th Apollo mission?
0: Well, I mean, it was still taking off at 1313 on April 13th.
2: Mm. Well, in the grand scheme of NASA space missions, they came out pretty well because they lived. Yes. But anyway, back to Message in a Bottle. So when Daniel, I believe it was Daniel, it was either Daniel or Sam, I can't remember now, apologizes to General Hammond for bringing the artifact back. And General Hammond says... That's quite alright. We've been, We've been—we've brought all sorts of things back. It's, it was about time one of these snapped us in the ass.
0: We brought things back from all over the galaxy. One of them finally snapped us in the ass. Maybe the general grew up next to a creek with lots of turtles? Or alligators? I feel like we would never have known General Hammond had he grown up in a creek with lots of alligators.
2: <laughs> I mean, people do grow up near alligators, man.
0: Those are all ghosts.
2: <laughs> uh did you also notice that it is in fact still the embarkation room? Yes. Speaking of which, Walter is in this episode.
0: Yes. As is Siler. Siler plays a big role in this episode. He does. He gets a lot of screen time.
2: Mm-hmm. He even gets to talk back to Teal'c.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, but like in his like gentle I need you to understand siler sort of way.
2: Yes. Not like in a mean way, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no. I don't think we ever see Siler get angry.
2: No, not even that time that O'Neill throws him down the stairs.
0: <laughs> Did you catch the uh, Andromeda Strain reference?
2: Yes, wildfire.
0: Yeah. It also reminded me of a um, line from the terrible movie Broken Arrow, uh, which was, I don't know what's scary that this has happened, or we have a term for it.
2: Mmm. I've never seen Broken Arrow. It's bad. And was it, wasn't there a thing in wildfire where uh, or, or in um not andromeda strain where the it was something to do with oxygen or lack thereof caused was how they fought the disease no it
0: was um alkalinity
2: that was it i knew it was but it was some sort of thing sort of like how this thing was could, didn't survive well with no oxygen
0: well it was sort of like a tardigrade thing where it would just go completely dormant as sam points out she doesn't call it the tardigrade but that's what it made me think of yeah so let's take a minute and talk about how silly sam's idea to get in the elevator was yes she's supposed to be the smart one
2: can we also talk about how the elevator stops at level 22 daniel opens it at level 28
0: it's a really tall elevator man
2: (laughs) obviously but yes that was pretty dumb it, it's sort of like you're not supposed to get in an elevator in a fire or anything like that, and this, the computer-controlled elevator? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's, so let's skip back to uh, what we were talking about before, where they apparently stayed up all night. Uh-huh. Just as they're getting ready to leave to go on their mission to the primordial world, that's when the Sphere wakes up, mm-hmm. which is what kicks off really all the drama in the episode. Because up until this point, it's been sort of like, look, we have a, we have a ball here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So they're yeah they're trying to hustle Teal can Teal and Jack are trying to hustle the sphere back through the gate so they can chuck it back onto Moon Planet and the sphere grows spikes and skewers Jack right up against the wall
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he's not happy about it. Would you be? No no not 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 particularly.
2: I appreciated that Hammond pretty very quickly on asked them to get something for Jack to stand on. Because that was my first thought when seeing that is like, that probably really hurts, and the fact that his entire weight is on that wound probably hurts even more.
0: Yeah, I'm... Um, like, thinking back to it, I'm actually a little... Like, depending on where he got skewered, I'm actually a little bit surprised that it didn't tear?
2: It must have been under the breastbone. I guess. Because otherwise, yeah, you would think it would. He
0: he He's gonna have some serious rehab time oh, yeah. or won't because he'll be back next week and probably will never mention it again yes you know how jack B.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean has he ever talked about the time that he broke his ribs on the uh on what he thought was an ice planet no of course not
2: well it wasn't the first time he had broken his ribs no it's not the
0: first time he went to prison either
2: <laughs> you ever been to a turkish prison <laughs> but yeah no i'm just looking at that i'm like dang that looked really painful so since
0: this episode doesn't give us like a whole lot of meat canon wise what i do want to mm-hmm. talk about is the all the intrapersonal interactions that we see <laughs> we get some classic daniel and sam geeking out in the lab action yes yeah because they're both scientists at heart
2: and i believe the word there should be interpersonal intrapersonal will be like self-reflection
0: Well, Jack at one point, you're right, but Jack at one point does say, don't make me laugh. So he, he, he knows internally that Teal'c is a funny, funny man and laughing would be bad right now. Teal'c's humor
2: is immaterial to this conversation though. No, but it, no, but it's not. It is material (laughs) because
0: Jack tells him not to make him laugh after he tells him your favorite line. Undomesticated eagle lines
2: could not remove me. That's true. Yes. And that's only my second favorite Teal'c line.
0: Teal'c, you made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get, you know, classic Hammond being part commanding officer, part kind of, like, father to to them all. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, he never thunders down on any of them. He very seldom thunders down on his own people. But when he does, you know that they actually screwed up.
2: In the middle of my backswing is one that I can recall him being a little annoyed.
0: Well, he was annoyed before Jack said that.
2: Yeah, well, he was annoyed when... Yes, but his annoyance is what caused Jack to say that. Right. <laughs> and I recall him being not pleased when they uh, escaped from the base and went out to get steak in upgrades.
0: <laughs> like I said, when he thunders down, then they deserve it. Yeah. Did you catch that Mayborn got name-dropped?
2: I did. I was sad that Mayborn was not in the episode, but yes.
0: And I think this is also the first time they explicitly called out the nid
2: i think you're right i don't or did
0: i say this the last time they explicitly called out the nid
2: I, that i'm not sure i remember we talked about it i can't remember now if they said it or not or if we were saying it's interesting that they don't say and i i can't remember now guess we'll just have to rewatch season one
0: no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 we have to we have to we have to move forward mm. Inevitably, march our way across all of the seasons as the weird bacteria virus spread across the SGC
2: so uh, this ended up not happening at all and especially probably because we don't know, yet know that it could have happened but my note here was that the sphere didn't react at all until Jack entered the room and I'm like and I was thinking maybe it's responding to his future knowledge ATA gene But, Mm. no, it wasn't.
0: Well, it didn't didn't actually start reacting until Jack left the room.
2: That's true. But it wasn't until Jack was in the room, I guess. And that was the first time that it had been in the same room with an unspace-suited Jack. Mm. So that's what I was thinking. Maybe, but that seems unlikely. Especially because we don't even find out that Jack has the ATA gene until later. Much later. Yeah, I can't remember... I don't think it even happened. I, I don't think they even mentioned the gene in the fifth race.
0: No, no, I, I, I don't believe they do. I mean,
2: obviously, it's retconned that that's how it worked in the fifth race. But yeah, it's probably not until Lost City that it actually comes up.
0: So, what gene do you think it is that makes Jack have like constantly be replaced constantly? But <laughs> this is twice now that Jack has been replaced by something blue, and I just have to wonder <laughs> if this is like, like, w- w- what's going on here? How many more times? Is he going to be replaced by blue things?
2: Doesn't he know that he needs to also be replaced by something old, something new, and something borrowed?
0: Okay, well, new would be his android replicant. Ooh. Old would be this. Because it's ancient. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so now we need something borrowed.
2: Yes, and then Jack will be married.
0: Yes. Excellent. We've solved it. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Jumping straight to the end of the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. When they get control of the computer again. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they do the dialing sequence, but the countdown timer is still going. There's like five other computers in the damn room. Yes. Pick one. Turn off the the death timer.
2: Well, as we saw in an earlier episode, the death timer requires two separate people to be working away on two keyboards at the same time.
0: Conveniently, there's five other computers in the room.
2: (laughs) I'm just saying. So... Another thing, interestingly, is uh, when they dial the gate to throw the orb through, uh, it act- we actually see it lock on the final chevron, mm-hmm. but then it turns the the camera turns back to Teal'c and O'Neill, and you can still hear the ri- the Stargate dialing, even though it already locked on the final chevron.
0: That's just sloppy.
2: That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, this is- they should go back. Re-edit the episode to make you happy.
2: Yeah, and as with, like, at least 80% of the episodes, when they're tiling the planet, they actually show the address for Avidos.
0: Yeah, I mean... A newer show would probably also do that, because it's definitely cheaper to reuse footage than make new footage, no matter how easy it is to make the new footage. But in a newer show, since they would probably be, like, CGing the screens onto the computers after the fact, it would be dirt-simple... To make it so they always are showing the correct, correct address every single time. But they would probably still fall back on just, let's just show like one of these three.
2: Yeah, and this is the sort of thing that people didn't see on their, you know, 13-inch standard definition TVs in the 90s.
0: Well, especially not when they're super concerned about what's going to happen with that spiky ball. That's true. You know, in this case, you're watching it for the 15th time or something. So you're like, I already know about the spiky ball. I need to concentrate on other things, like our, you know, it's Siler's tie straight.
2: Yeah, and since the Stargate wiki kept pointing out the Abydos, I've na- I have now recognize the Abydos symbols because they happen so often.
0: <laughs> so you are ready to go on an away mission in the you know, to Abydos, and, anyway. and dial something <laughs> in the event that uh, you lose your IDC.
2: True, yeah. Assuming they haven't buried the gate in Abydos.
0: Hmm. The burying the gate thing is weird, but we can talk about it later when we actually deal with episodes where they actually bury the gate.
2: Yes. The fact that it inconsistently works, is that part of what you think is weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the fact that apparently when it got buried in lava, was it lava? Or, no, when it got buried in, um... Liquid hot magma. No, it wasn't even, no, I'm thinking of in a hundred days, when, um... It was an asteroid impact, wasn't it? The episode where Jack is know. stuck on the planet and Teal Gates in and digs his way out of the dirt to get him out.
0: Yeah, but I, I can't remember the circumstances.
2: I think it was asteroids. Now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, but anyway, yeah, there was that. But anyway, you said you wanted to talk about it later, not now. So I'll stop talking about. I it
0: did now. say that, but there we went anyway. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well. Well, I've covered all of my notes at this point.
0: So at one point I have written down he's just there to repeat the computer, but I can't remember who I was referring to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably Walter.
0: Probably Walter. <laughs> which is which is good because like earlier when uh Sam is talking to General Hammond, he definitely gives me uh gave me some glimmer of uh <sighs> Commander
2: Taggart. Taggart, yeah, Peter, 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 yeah, but, Quincy, 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 yeah. Taggart, Taggart. taggart. Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: so when when Sam is talking to General Hammond and Hammond is saying that we're going to get through this, we're not going to give up. I, I got flashes of Commander mm. Taggart, never give up, never surrender. This fine
2: ship and this fine crew.
0: Yes, <laughs> but it, it. This was like from a like I mean like like I said a couple of times and you agreed with and you said once or twice yourself. It's not. The episode's fine. It's watchable. It's good. Uh, but it, it it's more good because it helps show us how much the team cares about each other and how they go about solving problems. It's not always about, mm-hmm. you know, shoot first, shoot some more, and then keep shooting until there's no one left to ask questions. Or to answer questions, rather. It, it's probably the closest to, like, a Star Trek episode, as Stargate gets.
2: Yeah, this this totally is something that could happen on Star Trek.
0: And you know what? I'm uh, I'm pretty okay with that. Because, of course, you know, as our listeners know, and I'm sure they do, we have this other podcast that they listen to, oh. and so they know that we enjoy talking about Starge- Star Trek and Stargate for largely, you know, the same reasons, is that we're there for the stories they're telling and the characters that are in those stories. Yes. In this case, this was a character story.
2: And I would say... Character stories are probably Stargate's strong point, more so than Star Trek.
0: It, yes, because it with Star Trek, and I think that one of us made this point a few weeks ago, was is with a lot of Star Trek stories, the characters seem interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like Janeway is almost always being Janeway, and no one else is being Janeway. But there's any number of supporting roles in a lot of the episodes that it's like, well, you know, this week the supporting role is being played by Tuvok, but it didn't have to be Tuvok. It could have been almost anybody on the bridge.
2: right? And in in the case of Chakotay, it could have been an inanimate object.
0: Yes. Uh, Whereas on Stargate, they all have clearly defined roles, and there's no interchanging them. Daniel is Daniel, and Daniel's going to be there to say the things that Daniel says. And no one else can say them. It wouldn't make sense coming out of anyone else's mouth until a certain someone shows up that we love. So when we see Jack and Teal together... You're a good man, my friend. As are you, my friend. That is a big, important character moment like for the series as a whole. Because so often we just see our heroes... You know, they're on their away mission, and they're doing this stuff, but in this case, since the it, it's it's practically a bottle episode, hey!
2: <laughs> yeah, except for that very first scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah, since it's practically a bottle episode, the message is that <laughs> our team is a team. Yeah. And a family. mm mm-hmm. And that includes everybody involved.
2: Much like the Fast and Furious films, Stargate is about family.
0: That's right. Because although Teal says it, what he really means is he doesn't have friends. He has family.
2: Yes. And conveniently,
0: family is next week's episode. But this week's episode is done.
2: If you have any thoughts or comments about this episode, or really anything, uh, reach out to us at StargateWeekly at gmail.com or on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. Uh, We always love to hear from people. Uh, You can also check out our sister podcast, Delta Flyer, at at Delta Flyer on Twitter or DeltaFlyerPod.com. I'm on Twitter at Tyrannicus.
0: I'm on Twitter at Gamicus. And that's our show. All right. Back again for our fourth and final 31 days of Stargate. Hashtag 31 days of Stargate. Uh,
1: back, back again. <laughs> That's right. What do we have to think for this 31 days again?
0: Uh, it is Miss Rainbow Pie on yes. Twitter. Perhaps it's at Miss Rainbow Pie?
2: Yes, she is in fact at Miss Rainbow Pie.
0: I don't know how Twitter names really work.
2: They don't. Okay. <laughs> so. To you
0: know, we are joined uh, not for the last time this season, but the last time for a little while by Ben Nielsen.
2: Thanks for having me back. It's always fun. Thanks for agreeing to be on a whole bunch of episodes.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh let us start off with number twenty two, favorite badass moment. <laughs> Thad.
2: You know, you blow up one sun. <laughs> uh, it's Carter blowing up a sun.
0: Nice. Enough said.
2: Yeah, yeah, basically. That works.
0: <laughs> For me, it's when Shepard is um, constantly pursuing Kolya, he even gets his arm cut off, and then finds out that all of it was just tricks being played on him by this alien race uh, on that island he was exploring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine,
1: are, yeah. mine are broken up into a badass moment that I just thought was visually badass, and that is definitely when we see the event horizon of the Supergate um, mm, through yeah. the eyes of Sam Carter. I just remember at that point in my watching being like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened <laughs> um, on television. Um, but definitely a badass moment from a character, of course, um, is when uh, Vala Malderan, um sacrifices herself uh, to get into that gap in the unfinished Supergate. Oh, yeah. That was just A1. Yeah. So pretty much that episode is
0: badass to me, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so let's go directly from valor sacrifice to number twenty-three. A moment that made you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it's right back to window of opportunity, as from last week, in the middle of my backswing, <laughs>
2: and that is mine as well. Nice. Uh,
1: I was uh, going to say when. Um, Bo Bridges is taunting at Nerus in his cell. That makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's good.
1: And telling him about how he'll be hungry. Uh,
0: the number of times that, bring me more chicken, pops <laughs> into my head. What is this? Like,
1: chicken, love it, glorious, bring it more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a rare <laughs> delicacy. Yeah. Like, easily oh, easily twice a month. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, so that one, that whole, yes, that whole scene is... Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thad, tell us about a moment that makes you cry, number 24.
2: Well, it's come up a few, uh, a bit already, and it's the shrine. Yeah. Honorable mention, though, to Sunday.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: Ben?
2: Uh, Mine, certainly, so two, because again, we break
1: rules here. Um, The first would be the very end of Menace, which we talked about before. Um, with Reese and Jackson and um, O'Neill, that I cry every single time. Like, I've seen that episode dozens of times at this point. Honestly, I'm still crying. And then honorable mention is the episode Lifeboat, which is a pretty standard sci-fi trope where a single character gets a bunch of other characters put into their head, uh-huh. um, but certainly Michael Shanks hits it out of the park. And when he's being that little kid whose dad is clearly dead, oh, the feels every single time.
0: Both solid choices. Yeah. Oh. Uh, for me, uh, I think this is. I think I have now mentioned Tau of Rodney on each week, <laughs> um, but it's when he when uh, when when he heals uh, Ronan's scars.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned the shrine each week, so right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, another solid contender would be from the shrine, either when Rodney calls himself Mister McKay or mm-hmm. when Ronan comforts uh, his uh, Rodney's sister in the hall. Yes, what a downer! Because at that moment she's uh, uh, she's the audience surrogate for us all, I think. But let's talk about an underrated scene that we love, so we can stop crying. <laughs> ben
1: so i believe loyal listeners will remember when we talked about underrated anything we talked about um how two of us chose to use the IMDb ratings and so i when thinking about this thought about what is a moment a scene that i love from a low rated episode that makes any sense Mm -hmm. so mine is from um season four episode 18 the light Where they have sort of um, Loran's uh, his character on the episode, and that last conversation about how he, you know, thinks he killed his parents because he turned off their drug lights. Um, That scene is actually one that I've used before as an audition scene in high school theater, and so meaningful to me. And it's a really, really good scene from a, a guest star of the week. All right, solid pick. I suggest everyone see it.
2: So mine is from. I believe this was Stuart's pick for underrated episode. Um the the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh it's <laughs> the scene when the hostages are arguing with each other over who slept with who and all that and Daniel yeah. just has a breakdown yes. and just like you're hostages. <laughs> Start acting like it. <laughs> and I don't know, that could be very well be like most people's favorite scene of Stargate and I'm sorry, but how am I supposed to quantify an underrated scene? Right.
0: Yeah. I well I think Ben's approach was a pretty solid place to start. Uh
2: that's good, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah.
0: But uh, uh for me it was from the episode upgrades. Uh right. when they got those those weird alien armband things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where they're all having dinner.
2: <laughs> we'll start with four of the best steak the biggest steaks you have. Well alright. Well no no no, that's just me.
0: <laughs> right. No, 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 no. I'm worried that what you heard was give me a lot of bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so the next ones, numbers 26, 27, and 28, we're going to combine a little bit. They are our favorite fan vid, fan fic, and fan art. Uh, I am obviously a huge fan because I'm hosting a podcast about Stargate along with my good friend, Thad Hate. However, I don't go out of my way for fan-produced stuff of almost anything. Uh no matter how much I enjoy something, uh I I I just tend to not go after the like the the satellite universe of of fan things of it. I don't know why. Maybe cuz it makes me f- feel bad that I can't make these things cuz I'm not a very good artist. Uh, so, fair. Uh, I don't have a fan vid or fan art pick, and I don't have a fan fic pick. But if I did, was going to search one out, it would have. If anyone has written a fan fic where O'Neill would, where, where General O'Neill and Colonel Young both go back in time, and they're the ones who introduced Ascension to the Ancients, that's the fan fic I want to read.
1: It probably exists. To the fanfic pages. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crossover, Batman.
2: So I actually kind of have answers to this. <laughs> nice. Uh, for fanvid, I went with the YouTube video supercut of Tealc saying indeed. <laughs> because it's just awesome. For fanfic, I also have not read it any, but. I went with one that I wish existed and probably does the one where they team up with the doctor and captain Picard to fight the replicators, Cybermen and Borg together. Nice. It's gotta exist, right?
1: (laughs) It must. All fanfic exists. Just saying it into the universe creates it.
2: (laughs) Is that like rule, rule 35 or something? It's after the Nazi one. Yeah. All right. So, and then for favorite fan art, I, I, Don't really do much with the fan art scene. I've seen some cool stuff, but I don't don't like. I'm not like active in the scene. But I googled Stargate fan art when preparing for this show and found this really cool uh, black and white drawing made to look like uh, a photograph of the Atlantis team if they were in Victorian times. (laughs) Cool, nice. It's called the Pegasus Expedition, and it's by an artist named. Lena.
0: Well, you'll have to throw out a, a tweet of that to to all so all of our uh, Twitter yes. followers can enjoy that too.
2: Mm-hmm. And I will. All right, ben? ben.
1: There is a fanfic that I cannot find on the internet anymore <laughs> that I do recall from back in the day, and it is um, of Martouf and Malik, and it is not explicit <laughs> in nature, and so uh-huh. it's not just that type.
2: Sure.
1: They're. Buddies.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: That have knowing knowing glances. Oh, okay. So if anyone can find that, feel free to let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not explicit, so it's all right. Though there are several of those, too, and you can find them everywhere.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I think that leads the, straight into number 29, your favorite behind-the-scenes moment. Yeah. Take us away, Thad.
2: Okay. So mine is another YouTube video. Um... Well, it it actually started. It's part of a commentary track on one of the episodes of SG One. I do not know which, um, but it's uh the the theme from SG One, uh, from one of the middle seasons where it's just the face of Ra the whole time. It's Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully singing the lyrics to the Stargate theme.
0: <laughs> I didn't know there were lyrics.
2: Well, they made them up, but yes.
0: But the creators making it up, so I guess it's canon now. Yes. Nice, uh, for me it was um, one that uh, I looked up that Thad had mentioned from the episode Solitudes. Uh, it was actually, I, I suppose, like a deleted scene or not deleted scene, but like caught on film, riffing uh, between yeah. between Amanda tapping and Richard Dean Anderson. Where it was you used to be a MacGyver, now you're, Mac- <laughs> you're now you're ma- nothing. <laughs> Or make useless is what it was. <laughs> yeah, that was good. How about you, Ben? You, you, what's your favorite behind the scene moment?
1: That sort of leads to a very similar situation in that through one account, um, Amanda Tapping came up with the MacGyver reference in the first episode as like part of her audition it was apparently like Jerry rig or something in the scene, mm-hmm. um, in the script. And she put in MacGyver cause she sort of knew what was going on. Yeah. And they liked it so much that they're like, you get the pot. Um, but that might be hypocrite. Like that sounds like a, a comic con story that might not have actually happened, but gets a good applause line. <laughs> um, so I guess I would definitely, I will go with the spectacular work that Joseph Balenci does on Reddit. Oh, yes. really, really engaged in that subreddit and like gives us these gifts, like, Gifts with a T, not period G-I-F-S. Like, Reddit. every like every week. Like, oh, this is just something I found from behind the scenes. Here you
2: go. Yeah. Awesome. Well he's done. Pretty... And he went through, and for a while there, he was doing, like, every couple days, he would post his memories from producing every episode he worked on. Yeah, he's, he's
1: super cool.
0: Yeah. Ben, once again, cheating by just bringing in an entire subreddit.
1: <laughs> 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 That's what I do
0: all right well number 30 something that you hope will happen in the future i presume stargate related (laughs) uh and for me i mean what could be better than more real stargate (laughs) being brought into our lives
2: i would agree that's what i have written down here is more stargate uh one thing uh several years ago uh I either saw on the internet, or maybe maybe even you told me, Stuart. I can't remember now. Uh But I saw the idea kicking around that someone says that uh, was, maybe they could do a new Stargate a la Warehouse 13, where it's McKay and Eli who have to catalog all these weird things that have come through the Stargate, and they're stored at Area 51. And I do kind of want to see that. I know that's never going to happen, but I would kind of want to see that.
0: No, that could be interesting. I don't. I don't think I brought that idea to you.
2: Okay, it was someone on the internet then.
0: Yeah, Ben.
2: I would
1: pitch. So this is the pitch meeting. I would definitely yeah. pitch. Um, sort of the because one of the conceits, of course, is sort of the secrecy of the program, and so having a program that everyone knew about and having a very specific international sort of mission sequence. Um, would certainly be to deal with the, after ORI, after Gold, sort of we have the Asgardian technology, sort of what's mm-hmm. next, but it's very clearly a ship filled with people from a variety of different countries, um, just so we can have a, a bit of a international appeal, um, but certainly also because then you can have both inter-team and extra-team drama going on. So more of what we've gotten, but we have all of uh, sort of the... Technology and everything from the three shows, so the next generation mm-hmm.
2: of Stargate. Yeah. As it Stargate, works. the next generation.
0: There you go. Hey, no, that that to me would feel like an like a like a blending of the best of Universe and Atlantis. Yeah, because Atlantis what I was did yep. set itself up as an international crew, and they all had their national flags yep. on their um on their sleeves, but it was never like, their international roots seldom came up. Mm-hmm. I mean, other you know, outside of ZPM or yeah. Zelenka speaking Czech or anything like that.
1: <laughs> and it was a little Federation-y, but um, I think was. there's a lot of work to be done if we had, um, you know, Russians and Chinese and British and French and mm-hmm. Japanese and Brazilian and Egyptian. Like, that's kind of where I'd like to go. Um, Because then you can also tell stories on Earth, too, when you need to have a a bottle episode to save on production costs.
0: (laughs) Right. And I suppose that leads us to our final final one, number 31, why you want hashtag Stargate Now. (laughs) Stargate Now.
2: So, we should, just in case people are unaware, explain the Stargate Now movement. It's uh, sort of a grassroots Stargate fandom movement to get new... Stargate in the existing canon. Uh, A new Stargate show in the existing canon brought up, as opposed to, well, what we got. And um, it's uh, being spearheaded by Joseph Malazzi, who we just mentioned earlier. Yes, I am
0: all in on that idea. They have 17 seasons worth of solid canon that they can work from, a cast of regular characters that can be used as anchors for like a whole new group of people that can take the reins of the franchise and I I think that we need more light hearted and less grimdark sci fi.
2: Yes. Sure. That
0: isn't arrow, mm. which is also kind of grimdark. But, you know, the the D like the D C arrows are certainly more lighthearted than you know, like the Marvel TV shows, for example, <laughs> Uh but they're not exactly happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Supergirl might be. Supergirl is kind but, of... Yeah. Stargate, SG-1 and Atlantis in particular, had this unique blend of hard sci-fi along with camaraderie and friendship and humor and poignancy that I think we could use more of and I'm you know happy to lend my voice to getting that done.
2: Yeah, same here. I yeah, I just Stargate is very important to me. Uh it's one of my favorite television franchises. I cannot in all honesty say it is my favorite because uh, Star Trek will always have my heart, but Stargate is definitely a very big influence for me uh and on a more personal note well i guess this whole thing is my personal note but like for instance uh stewart uh when you and i over a decade ago first started hanging out stargate was one of the things we bonded over indeed oh and yeah stargate stargate forever is basically what i want to say
0: stargate today stargate tomorrow stargate forever
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. They will take our lives but they will never take our stargate. There you go. <laughs>
0: How about you, Ben?
1: Uh yeah, I think certainly echoing those sentiments as well, you know, naturally. Kid growing up on a farm, uh not having a whole lot of view past the horizon, certainly looking up and having a cool show like this was important to me and it's certainly Uh, Important to have that for kids in the future. And I think at this point we have a number of really good sci-fi shows on right now. I really enjoyed discovery. I really enjoy the expanse Um, as both a book fan and a uh, sci-fi show. It's amazing. Um, uh, Coming back soon. And -hmm. so I feel like there is room for an episodic, you know, dramatic certainly, but also has good comedy group of people who look and act and our are, are us right now, that room and that space is present. We have a sort of idealized uh, sort of future. We have a gritty, maybe too realistic, frighteningly realistic future. Um, I think we can have a sci-fi show that's happening right now. And that's the space that Stargate's always taken up. And so I would mm-hmm. hate for um, you know MGM or others to let that experience go.
2: I absolutely agree. Uh, I would also like to, yeah, we have plenty of Gritty, and we also have on the other end, on the other end of the spectrum, we have things like The Orville, but Stargate mm-hmm. is solidly in the middle there. Like, it's, Stargate is not a comedy show.
1: Yeah, and it's set now. Like, yes. the history of Stargate on a wiki, on a wiki page says 2002, 2003, mm-hmm, 1997. Yes. I'd like to see a Stargate wiki page that says 2018. Yes. 2020. 24 of
0: yeah <laughs> all right well uh thanks again to ben to for joining us the for these past four weeks thank you so much as we went through miss rainbow pie's 31 days of stargate
1: thank you so much miss rainbow pie it's been great and thank you too uh for having me back and i look forward to another appearance
0: bum, ba, bum. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Stargate, it's a great big world. We're in the great, great big swirl and step inside to another world.
0: We're talking
2: Stargate, it's a crazy trip. You can go quite far and you
0: don't need a car or even a ship. It's getting picky here. There's Colonel. O'Neill and, and Carter and Daniel
1: and Teal, look out for that